Ladies, gentlemen, Penn State's regular season is over. Bowl opportunities are at hand. And a 12-team playoff is coming to college football. I'm so happy. Uh, I am Nate Bauer. He is Sean Fitz. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. Let's get into it. I'm not going to go crazy. That's yeah. that's my promise to you. 30 Seeing minutes your face of light up to talk about bowl season is just why I'm here and is why our viewers on YouTube are here. Like the video if you're on YouTube, but if you're listening, just imagine Santa's face without a beard. It's oh, red, it's now. glorious, and it's jolly, and he loves bowl season, and that's why we're here because there's been some developments in bowl season with Penn State's uh future destination, uh what looked to be a I don't want to call it a near lock for the cotton, but you know, all the projections were showing Penn state going to the cotton to play the likely winner of Tulane UCF. And now all of a sudden things may have changed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm picking fights with people on Twitter, which like I never do. Uh, but just to celebrate the news, obviously on Wednesday night that the Rose bowl has agreed to be part of the system for a 12 team playoff in college football beginning in 2024. As far as I know, that's the last hurdle roadblock. So it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Uh, long overdue, but something that needs to happen. And to my point, what is happening with Penn state this season and the possibility of Penn state going to the Rose bowl is that's the demonstration, right? Is is Penn State will end up in a better quote unquote prestige bowl based on Ohio State if Ohio State is left out of the college football playoff, which it appears like they will be, uh them declining, right? O- Ohio State not wanting to go to the Rose Bowl and you know, the way that they've dressed this up as the Rose Bowl. Uh, also being amenable to that, the Rose Bowl feeling as though two years in a row of Ohio State is is not a good thing for ticket sales and so on and so forth. So the sham system is falling apart. I couldn't be happier. Those poor Buckeyes, man, that have to spend two years in a row going to the Rose Bowl. They've, they've got it rough and it'd be interesting to see what happens this weekend. Of course, uh, you know, chaos is, is what we always root for, but uh, chaos or actually the status quo may be the best path for Penn State to the Rose Bowl now. Of course, yep. uh, Orange Bowl, I guess you still have a, a sliver there. Citrus Bowl, if some things happen, I guess. But I mean, I, I don't think you're you're pen, you're writing in pen to the Rose Bowl right now, but Penn State looks pretty strong there with uh, with how things seem to be playing out. And the report, it's the reporting on both sides. I mean, you've you talked about this for a little bit, a little while. And then the Ohio State side of things seems to seems to be like they don't want to go back to Pasadena, which, as we said earlier this week on the live show, a lot of our bowl projection coverage is very, very selfish as to where we want to go. And I'll go back to Pasadena. It's a great bowl. I, I love the Rose Bowl. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. And it should be entertaining. Uh, we'll, and, and there will be a finale to this, uh, of course, on Sunday. For the record, I'm rooting for Purdue to beat Michigan and just ruin everything. Okay. Um, but that's neither here nor there. 12-team uh, playoff. Fitz, what do you got? Where do you, where do you stand on this? Um, are you happy? I, I mean, I'm happy uh, from a, once again, selfish perspective to try and cover the playoff because Penn State 
has come close to the fourteen playoff, but they have not gotten in it. Um, I think it'll help with with recruiting. With uh, it, it's going to be similar to your New Year's Six um, pitch. Now is that uh, only a certain amount of teams can make that New Year's Six bowl. Now only a certain amount of teams make this twelve team playoff. I think, I think it's going to probably end up the same way that it ends up every other year with the the top four teams advancing. Um, depending depending on uh, where they play the games and things like that, which I think are still being sorted out. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not real strong on it. I, I kind of like the four team playoff in the sense that there's usually four teams that are clearly better than all the rest. Uh, 12 teams is a lot, man. Like uh, I understand why, why they're going that way. I know, I know, but for me, the, the, the general sense of competitiveness in college football has boiled down to just a handful of teams and it's been less than 12 teams. Yeah. That's the issue though. That's, but I also want to cover a playoff game. Yeah, you're right. It's it's not. It has it has nothing to do with Penn State. This is the health of the sport. Is that it has narrowed the opportunity for programs to have relevance, and so you you've just you've found yourself in this. You've got 130 teams. It should be celebrated as one of the most fun, compelling sports, and to a certain extent, it is. But when it when it comes to I made the joke on Twitter the other night about those ESPN commercials where where the dad is talking about Mother Goose and, you know, oh, this is the time of year when these people decide who's in the playoff. It's just dumb. <laughs> it just does not work uh, when you have a few people making these decisions. If there was just a path, a, a clean, clear demonstration of this is what it takes to get into a playoff. Uh, it it takes all of the the guessing out of it, and 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 maybe that's part of the appeal. I don't know. Like I I don't have that fan side where I can say, oh man, I, I really get revved up over being able to to disagree with people about who belongs and who doesn't. But to 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 my bigger point, it's just it is a poison to the game. To, to take away all of the opportunities that would allow recruits, transfers, all, like we're going to get into this later, but all of these players who are not sticking with the closest option to home, who are looking for a viable path to being part of a postseason in college football, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because there's so few teams that have been able to, to get there and the evidence is there like the data is is plenty at this point eight years in uh it's just it's just not a good representation of all of the programs that are kind of sitting there including penn state obviously that are sitting there on the precipice uh it's just it's just not it's just not a good healthy thing for college football to have that happen um the way that it currently has do, but do, I, you, think it, do you think it comes down to the, the same four teams every year uh in the in the future yes that that the that the top four teams will always advance no th- yeah pretty much i mean yeah no yeah no and and college basketball look, look uh it's it's, you, it's different than college basketball though like it's it, it, very different it is different basketball. from college basketball and i understand that but also even if it is nine times out of 10 to add that element of 
the ninth time or the tenth time. It, it just it changes things. I don't think it will be an automatic. I mean, you see it all the time. Um, you know, in terms of higher ranked college football does not have parity. We understand this. It, there is no draft. And so there's no level playing field as to how teams are put together, but a 12 team playoff changes that element to where I believe it it's, it's not going to effectively create a draft, but it will open up the opportunities for player for high end players to see a viable path to a postseason, and so like I do, I do think that it will level out the talent a little bit. NIL is going to change that, and and is going to to mess things up a little bit as well. So yeah, I know I I very much think that in a twelve team playoff, the the top four teams will not maybe on the front end it will, but over the long term will not sail through to the final four. I, I don't think that. Okay. I, I agree with that. I was just trying to get you into a rant. So that's, yeah, my, you that's won. my bad. Cause I, I love the FCS playoffs. I mean, they're, they're so much fun to watch. Um, and you've got a blueprint there and you know, it's different playing at the different level, but you know, it, it's fun and it adds an element of fun. If you can add an element of fun to six to eight more fan bases that you can take these games and, and, and it's going to change things in the regular season because a 10 and two team is now in the playoff, you know, that, that Correct. didn't used to happen. Um, style points, all this kind of things. There, there's a lot that changes in college football. And I do think it spreads out some of the talent to probably helps um, schools keep guys closer to home. Uh, you don't have to go to the SEC, quote unquote, to, uh, to to make a playoff or something like that. So I think it does help with that. I, I agree with you on a lot of these points. I just wanted to get you going. So yeah, thank you well, for thank you for doing a little bit of that. I immediately broke my promise. I, I did rant. Um Penn State, depending on, regardless, I should say, of where Penn State ends up in a bowl. Uh, one opt-out so far. Joey Porter announced that on Wednesday. Uh, anybody else that you're looking for? Any Anybody else that, I guess, makes sense? And what's your take on opt-outs, you know, in, in general? Because I, I think there's a, a little bit of a narrative that these are uh, – Obviously, they're they're commonplace throughout college football, but at Penn State, they've actually been somewhat rare in the relevant bigger bowl games that Penn State has played over the last six years. Uh, so, you know, what what are you looking for there? I have no problem, no problem with opt outs in in terms of guys like Joey Porter that are going to, um, you know, obviously heal up from what he missed a couple of games with, and then getting into uh, his training for being a first round pick. And and honestly, his value as a first round pick to Penn State equal to maybe greater than his value to playing against whomever Penn state's going to play in the bowl. So I, I see it as these guys are sharpening up for an interview for a career. Um, and that's what college is all about. So I have no problem with it whatsoever. It seems to be largely generational in terms of the, the outlook for this, um, which I get, you know, it, it didn't happen a while ago. It's happening now. And it's not just college football. So I, I don't really care that much. Uh, I think it's the right decision for him to go ahead and do it. And it, it'll give an opportunity for a lot of other guys to step up. And, you know, it's not only the bowl game, it's, uh, you know, the 15 practices and things like that leading up to it. You know, he can use that time to move into the top 15 in the draft uh, or whatever he's going to end up being. So I think he's, and, and, and especially that position, like this is, I'm talking in generalities here, but at that position where Penn state has never had a first round pick, as a cornerback, that makes a big difference. And, uh, yeah. you know, Penn State's done a nice job of developing that position. Of course, Kalen King's up next. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you've got uh, you've got a lot going for you, and I think that this one helps. You know, you can you can spin this one and make it help your program. I, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think. Does is anybody else take Brown? Maybe like who who else would make sense to at least consider it? It's just such a weird spot with the additional years for a lot of those seniors to, to know, I mean, PJ, maybe, uh, you know, what are you looking for there? Yeah. I mean, those are the guys, the seniors that are outgoing, of course, you know, Parker Washington's not going to play anyway. So, um, you know, regardless of his decision. Um, so you've got that maybe Brenton strange as well. Um, so you've got different opportunities for these guys to, uh, do it on levels. I mean, last year, I get that Ellis Brooks had an injury at the end of the season, but he opted out and and didn't practice or play and ended up, uh, you know, not, not catching onto a pro team. So there's certainly um, more opportunity for guys like that, that are late round draft picks to undrafted free agents. It's certainly the opportunity for them to, to step up and get in there. So I, I, I don't look at this one as uh, the Outback bowl is different. We talked about it uh, on the show the other night, yeah. the Outback bowl is different than the Rose bowl. So you've got an opportunity for these guys to, go out and make plays in there. And to be honest with you last year, seven and five, that was a long second half of the season. That makes a difference. This was not a long second half of the season. Obviously they, they had the two losses right in the middle, but they played well down the stretch. Um, It's a personal individual choice. I have no problem with it whatsoever. These guys trying to maximize their earning potential. These guys are trying to maximize their eventual pro career. And Hey, that's fine with me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's actually interesting because I ran the numbers on defensive snaps, and this is something that James Franklin talked about late in the season or, or earlier this uh, November, I should say, uh, about how defensively, at least the the snap gap, right, like the, the rep gap between starters and backups was not so high. Like they were all significantly diminished. The, the Jair Brown was the top. Uh, finisher for total reps this season and he was well under 150 of the top you know the guy who had the most reps last season so like it's just it seems to me that maybe that would be at least part of the equation uh as an i don't want to call it an incentive i mean obviously these guys are going to make their own choices regardless but at least on the defensive side of the ball, it's not like you're playing, you're not exposed to a ton of risk. It's kind of similar to, you know, we talked about Saquon Barkley in 2006 or 2017 as like, was he going to opt out of the bowl game? Was he not going to opt out of the bowl game? He didn't touch the ball and wasn't as involved as he would have been in a normal environment. Like the, the reps demonstrate that. Right, but he still, but he still played, and and right. so it seems like there could be some of that opportunity for some of these guys as well. Yeah, and, uh, and you look, at the, you you mentioned the rep count. You look at things. I mean, this is a fairly fresh group compared to what they they were trotted out there in twenty twenty one. I mean, those guys totally. Uh, Tangelo, Abikiti, Brisker, those guys played a ton of snaps. You you can even look at the tackle numbers this year. Like they're not even close to where Penn State is because I think they spread those numbers out. Um, they spread those reps out, and and guys are at the end of the year, a lot fresher than we're used to seeing, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, and uh, part of that's Manny Diaz, obviously too, and what his preferences are. Uh, speaking of that, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, Penn state uh, well represented on both really defense and offense and special teams for the all big 10 teams. Anything that stands out to you about that stuff? Um, yes. 
the defensive side of the ball, uh, Jair Brown and Kalen King as third teamers is one of the most absurd things I've seen. And I don't, I don't really get <laughs> yes. too high or too low on all Big Ten teams, especially the media teams. But like those guys were awesome. And this is this is where we're at at the end of the season. I think it's I think it is terrible for those guys who deserve much better. Um, I, you know, Kalen King, a second team All-American, according to PFF you can find a middle ground there. Um, and, and I didn't expect Penn state to have multiple first team defensive backs because there are good, you know, Illinois secondary was very good. Some of those other guys are very good, but the, the way that those guys played maybe ate into the votes a little bit from each other. You know, you talk about the, some of those Heisman candidates from the same team or the same region, you know, eating into each other. I, that, that could have been it, but just those two guys really stuck out to me as guys that were, kind of disrespected in the, in that vote. Yeah, I will. I'm going to pull back the curtain on the wizard of Oz here somewhat. Uh, I am a voter for basketball, uh, for, for big 10 basketball, all big 10 preseason, all big 10, uh, after the season. And you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to speak for everyone, but, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. And so a lot of times the way that these things fall out is feedback. I get feedback from people who I know who are involved, obviously in college basketball, who are able to share with me some of their impressions and some guys who, uh, you know, may stand out. And then it's the stats, it's the stats. And so that's like, I think from the media side, right from the media side of things, that's certainly the case. And I I just, I hate to say it, but like, I, I just, I, I cannot imagine a head coach actually taking the time to do this. And so should I suggest that an assistant, right? Like a, a an administrative assistant is the one who's actually pulling the lever on some of these? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say it. So, I mean, I just, I, it's one of those things where it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a shame for those guys, but also not something like, just is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the people who are voting necessarily take a ton of time to figure those things out. Nick Singleton, freshman of the year, offensive side of the ball. I mean, who else was there? But also he was awesome. So yeah, uh, Olu, no, Olu on the second team, which missing those games is obviously going to hurt, especially when it's the bulk of Big Ten seat, uh, the or half of your Big Ten season. Um, good to see Brenton Strange on there. I thought he had a really good year. It's a good year for tight ends in the league. So they had some decisions to make there. But uh, Sean Clifford, um, all Big Ten honorable mention. Any thoughts? <laughs> so don't do that. Don't give that uh, to me. Right to you. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> good yeah, no. Uh, it, look, he if you and I, I ran these numbers and I, you know, I talked to T Frank about it midway through the season or, or later in the season. If you look at his numbers and his quarterback rating and all, all of those different things, he was fairly clearly the fourth best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. It, it just, and I don't know what that says about the rest of the quarterbacks in the league. I think that that's a fair critique, uh, but it, you know, uh, I, I think that Sean Clifford had a fine year. He, he did. He obviously did not is we don't even have to have this conversation. He is what he is. It's fine. We'll, we'll see what happens with this last game. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it is fine that somebody, because here's the other secret. Yeah. Only one person has to vote to get an honor, honorable mention nod. So yeah. 
Um, it, it, it does not, uh, somebody thought he was honorable mention. Sure. Or, or a third team, uh, you know, candidate. Fine. No problem. No uh, problem whatsoever. I mean, he, he earned that level of, of, of praise. Absolutely. I, I don't have yeah. a problem with it all. And, you know, he's been around for a long time. So a lot of people know him and, and, and good for him and, you know, good to, uh, good to go out on that note. A uh, bunch of offensive linemen getting in there. I mean, as, as you mentioned, uh, it takes one. Bryce Efner got a honorable mention, which he started to have, didn't even start half the games this year. So there's, uh, yeah. you know, we got we we've spent way too much time talking about all Big Ten teams. To, Correct. I think that that's that's my that's the gist of it. You mentioned the fourth uh, best quarterback in the Big Ten. Penn State no longer has four quarterbacks on its roster, or it's won't as of uh, Monday when the transfer portal opens up and multiple players will fall headfirst into it. Uh, Christian Veyer. Announcing he's going to the portal, probably the least surprising news um, coming out of there. Uh, James Franklin said that he would like to keep him, but with Drew Aller passing him in uh, in August and Bo Perbula right there, Penn State will be down to um, two court, or two backups uh, behind Sean Clifford, and then Jackson Smollick's going to come in in January. So you've got three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster for the spring, um, which is enough. And I've said it before, Penn State will look to see if they can maybe add a depth guy, but that's a very, very tough thing to do. Um, because you're obviously not coming in here to start, uh, coming in here to play is even a bit of a stretch. So maybe find a guy that's looking for a future GA job. That's got, uh, got some experience and, and make it happen. We'll see what happens, uh, at that position. But, uh, Christian headed to the portal. I thought he's a good player. Um, I think there's more upside for the other guys on the roster, but I think he can find himself in a situation where he can potentially start and could be a power five job. I mean, Tyler Bowen's down there at Virginia Tech calling the offense. He recruited him to Penn State, so that one makes a lot of sense from Canada. Uh, Syracuse is, is is a school that makes sense as well. So I think there's there's landing spots, and I think schools will be very happy to uh, take him up on his offer of, of of entering the portal and trying to find a new home because I think there's a guy that can start in 2023, but I just don't think it was going to happen at Penn State. Definitely not. Uh, and also, Mason Stahl is out there as a guy that had been a backup quarter had been repping at scout team for quarterback for Penn state went over to receiver. He's still got eligibility. So there's a possibility there uh, of, of adding to depth. Like it, it, that seems to be a likely outcome to me is that that fourth quarterback is somewhere on the walk-on spectrum. Yeah, Jack Lambert is committed uh, from North Carolina as well as a, as a walk-on quarterback. So they've got numbers. It's just a matter of, of quality. And, and Hey, you and I really like Bo Perbula. I mean, we can talk, we can talk the have the Drew conversation all year long, but uh, Bo yep. is a, he's a good player, and from talking to people in the program, he gets things done. Um, you know, he's not he's not a naturally talented as Drew, but at the same time, we we saw what he was as a high school player. We saw we see what he is as a uh, potential college quarterback, and I I think we like what we've seen so far. Or yeah, there's because we haven't seen a ton of him. Yeah, there's a there's a reason that he had buzz through. Like, I'm going to say this, and I know the feedback that it's going to get, but I do in some ways consider this a quarterback competition. And I and certainly James Franklin's going to say that. Certainly the program is going to say that, and it's going to sound like lip service. But I, I, I do think that <laughs> Drew Aller is going to have to win that job. I, I think that there will be competition because Bo Perbula has got, like, he just, you know, it is what it is. Like, people can believe me or not, but he just brings it. He just brings he made, it. He made, he made more plays in the spring. 
I mean, you can you can say that. Like he made more plays than Drew in the spring. Drew obviously on a different curve. I mean, and a and a higher ceiling and everything like that. But Bo is not nothing to sneeze at. I think he's a, a really good prospect. And and you know, in a in a different year, maybe he does it. I mean, I think we're both on the same page that we expect Drew to be the guy. I don't think that's that's any hot take or anything like that. But at the same time, right. it's closer than you want to than probably some people want to admit. Let's get into the real stuff here, Fitz. Uh, I'm expecting crazy. Are you expecting crazy? Like this is this is it. We're here. There it is. My graphic. Thanks, T. Frank. NIL. It's real. Stuff is happening. Stuff's going to happen today with success with honor. There's stuff happening with Lions Legacy Club. There is stuff happening with the We Are NIL. Uh, it, it's just. What do you got? What do you got from the recruiting front? And then I'll tell you what I got from the the player front. Yeah, it's going to get crazy the next couple of weeks because everything is overlapping. You've got a national signing day in a few weeks. You've got the portal opening up on Monday. And we've said this before. Don't be surprised if you see people that you don't expect to go into the portal, go into the portal. And that could be a leverage tactic. That could be a lot of things. Um, I, I don't. I don't think you can rule anything out just because we haven't been through it so far. Um, and I'm not suggesting that anybody in particular is going to go into the portal, but you're going to see, see a name and you'll be like, Oh, okay. And whether that's at Penn state or, or somewhere else, I mean, that, that, that remains to be seen, but uh, NIL is a big driver right now at every level at high school recruiting at portal recruiting um, and, and getting guys back and roster retention is, is going to be very important. And that's what they're going to spend December focused on for the most part. I mean, they're going to go after transfers and everything, but it's retention of your current players, retention of your current commits, because as things get closer, guys could panic and, and schools could panic and offer out these um, these crazy NIL deals and things like that. And, and I think that it's something that we're going to see some turnover on both sides of that. So it's, it's going to be very fascinating to follow. I think it's going to upset some people because it's not your typical December. It's not your typical lead up to National Signing Day. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be insane, I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there, I I think here's the thing. I want to do a couple of things. One, I want to not say any names because one, I don't know any names. But two, I don't think it's fair to those guys to to add hypotheticals to to anybody. But I would just say this, the way it's been described to me and the, and kind of my understanding broadly is that Penn State doesn't have, first of all, these guys committed to play for Penn State, okay, during the first half year of NIL, uh, right? So yes, by December, when they actually signed on the dotted line and signed their national letter of intent. Uh, it had been going for six months, but a lot of these guys committed before NIL was even a thing. Okay. Right. They want to be at Penn state and, and this is going to apply to uh, most other schools as well for a lot of these freshmen that are playing right now. And Penn state happens to have a standout true freshman class. The deal is that Penn state will not have to beat the highest offer in most cases. Okay. It's not about that. It's about can Penn State be competitive? Can Penn State offer something, right? Because the the and this is in all of our lives. You, you and money is a big part of it, right? Is is a recognition of one's talents and of what somebody brings to the table. And so, if you've got players who have demonstrated themselves to be 
not only a value to your program, but a value to somebody else's program, there has to be, there has to be a, a compensation for that at this point. It, it's just, that's the bottom line. And so it's going to, it's my super interest from where I'm watching is not about whether or not Penn state is going to do everything that it can to meet and match, you know, whatever, like you said, those leverage tactics just to be in the ball game, but whether or not that ball game is backed by the collectives that are going to have to come through with some of the funding. And if it's not collectives then directives, right. Is, is, are there singular donors out there who can step up for Penn state and write a check when a check needs to be written? Uh, you know, I, I think to a lot of just being around this program for as long as I have, I mean, this is year 18, I understand that the things that I'm saying sound like crazy, right? To, to a lot of the audience that is, is following this, but this is it. <laughs> it is, it is happening. Uh, NIL is a big deal everywhere. It's something that you're going to have to watch for. Uh, and, and I'm very eager to see how this plays out, not just from, not just from uh, certainly a national perspective, but whether or not Penn state has the infrastructure in place to be able to to do what needs to be done, selling players that are currently on the roster to stay, to to, to not take a better offer that's out there because I, I feel 100% confident about this. Other offers will be out there that are better than what Penn State uh, can provide for some players on this team. Yeah, and there's the comfort level. There's all that stuff. But at the same time, I mean, you look at recruiting, Michigan is 12-0 uh, and 0, and number two team in the country, and they just lost their top commit to Miami, who looks from the outside like a bit of a dumpster fire um, at this point, but <laughs> they are known as an NIL giant. There are a few of those schools, Texas A&M, um, that, that have come up and have not been shy about the way that they are going to build their programs and, and do things. Now, you got to win at some point, obviously, but at the same time, it's very interesting to see how – these things can change a recruitment. They can change a uh, you know, a lifestyle for a player. They can change a lot of things. And that's not, you know, if you are not up with, uh, up with the times and adjusting to everything, and I'm not saying that it's going to change everything for every player because every player is different, um, but you're going to have to open yourself up to that possibility. And value will be different for different positions. Value will be different for different uh differences on the eligibility clock and things like that. So a receiver goes into the portal and Penn state needs a receiver in the worst way right now. He is very valuable to them, but at the same time, Ohio state doesn't need a receiver. He's not valuable to those guys. So it's going to be a working economy with, with certain positions. It's going to be a situation where maybe you're a number two at a position, but you're still pretty good. Think of, uh, uh, Think of Penn State's tight ends this year. They had three really, really good tight ends. And, you know, they, they could be start. Like, we say this all the time. This guy could be a starter at a different school. Now it's a re remote or not even a remote possibility. Now it's a possibility that that guy could be a starter at, the, at another school in the next year because they value that because that that school has a hole. So there's yeah. there's really a lot of um, a lot of working gears here at play. And it's uh, it's crazy, man. Like, it's, it, it's a situation that that we're not used to. We're not sure how to cover it 
from the the portal standpoint is fine you know you, we've covered transfer for transfers before going to be a little bit more open this year um i think it's going to be a lot more like high school recruiting with guys posting their offers and schools offering a lot more program or excuse me excuse me schools at offering a lot more players just to be in the mix if they decide that they want to push then later it's, it's kind of like recruiting um but uh when you throw the money aspect into it Things will change like that. And I'm not a good yep. snap of the fingers, but you can imagine what it looks like when I do. Uh, things will change, can and will change. And that will make December very interesting. And then after guys sign, usually it's done. It's not necessarily done because you've still got coaches and parents and you can't you can't make contact with a player but you can sure as hell back channel the hell out of it and and figure yep. out how to get in touch with the right people so i think that's that's really what it comes down to and it's just uh, it, it's set up for chaos um you know it, it could be better legislated but this is the ncaa we're talking about so it also could not be yeah i i'm i'm i i think the the interesting component to me from the recruiting side of things for Penn state is how relational the recruiting process is, right? That, that is such a huge component to what Penn state as a football program wants to do. They build these relationships. Uh, they're so strong and that's what, that's what people talk about, right? That's what, that's what the, the players, the recruits talk about when they finally get to uh, signing and, you know, it's like they're up on screen on signing day and they're talking about, uh, you know, how much they value those relationships with recruiting position uh, coordinators and obviously James Franklin and so on and so forth. What happens when somebody pulls an offer from outer space, right? And and it's crazy uh, at the very last second that there's this money component that that has not been part of the equation previously becomes part of the equation. And, and having to, like, to me, that's the biggest thing is you've got this lengthy years long process that happens in recruiting. And now you've got to make a decision at the very last minute and making decisions at the very last minute is anybody can tell you this, like it stuff goes crazy. Stuff goes crazy. It's not, it's not your cleanest thinking about an issue. And so that's, that's just the element that I expect to get. And, kind of wild and, and, and to, that, to that point excuse me to that point you've got to have all your ducks in a row like you've got to have your collectives on the same page you've got to have all the alignment that james franklin talks about where he was talking about co head coach athletic director president well now you add a lot of different variables into that with the collectives with the with the donors that you're uh, relying on to fill in the gaps per se and then you've got to figure out you know there's going to be kids absolutely burned from this like there's going to be um promises made and i'm not saying this is a penn state level but there's going to be promises made that they cannot upheld uh, uphold because they don't have the the money to get it done or they've decided that the money is better spent elsewhere and that's going to add a different element of, of it and you know maybe we're having this conversation again in a year with the with the same type of uh of outcome yeah uh i I don't know. We're going to talk about this on the fly here, Fitz, but it feels like a regular season recap is probably for another show at this point. At this point, yeah, I think everybody knows uh, ten and two um, did a did a yeah they job. did it. yeah. I, I, <laughs> we'll talk about that on Monday uh, after we know Penn State's bowl uh, bowl projection or not. It's not a projection anymore, but uh, where Penn State's going to end up in the bowl. Um, yeah, because that I, I think the NIL 
talk is more important than that right now. Just, uh, you know, season recap is great, but the NIL talk is, is real, as you said, and it's something that's going to, um, not control the next couple of weeks, but really have a heavy hand in how things are going to go the next couple of weeks with recruiting, with portal, with, with everything really. Yep. Yep. Uh, very, very much on the same page with that. They did it. They went 10 and two and we have 10 months to dissect every element of that. Uh, what do you got? Bowl prediction. Who, who, who do you think Penn state will play in which bowl? Uh, I will go with the Rose Bowl against Washington for some reason. Yeah, ditto. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, no, because I think I think that if if uh, if Southern Cal loses, and let's think about this. There's four teams. No, yeah, Southern Cal's the fourth, right? Is that yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So if Southern Cal's the fourth, Southern Cal loses. Ohio State's in. Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl. If Ohio State is out because Southern Cal is in, Ohio State still doesn't go to the Rose Bowl because they don't want to go to the Rose Bowl. So that leaves Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Um, we'll take it. Yeah. Sure. Penn State has not clearly, clearly Penn State has not played against Michael Penix enough in, in the last few years. So to see him, uh, he's doing really well. I've always been a big fan of his incredibly talented kid. Um, that would be a dynamic offense, be a really good, uh, really good matchup as well. So uh, at least a, yeah. I think a fun matchup as well. Yeah, I think I think it I certainly for Penn State fans who are, uh, you know, come out of the regular season feeling as though not nothing had been accomplished, but that a marquee win had not been gained. It's a valid thing to talk about and it's a valid thing to, to think Uh no matter who they end up with in whatever bowl game they end up in at this point, based on their accomplishments so far, they're going to have that opportunity. They're going to get a last crack at a marquee quote unquote win. And uh, certainly if it's Washington, that would be very interesting for Penn state. Washington would be interesting too, because you look at the two quarterbacks, don't see Sean Clifford opting out, but Michael Penix, NFL prospect uh, guy that's had some injuries. Maybe that's a situation where that, that comes to play, but, Less likely in a New Year's Six Bowl, especially the Rose Bowl, I would think. But that's yeah. not, we don't know Michael Penix like we used to know Michael Penix. Um, we don't. But here we are. So, all right, close out do, the show. Do, do you have that T-shirt? Do you have the? <laughs> I don't have that T-shirt. I have lots of home field T-shirts. I'm wearing one right now. Um, but I do not have that one. No. I think I would anyway. be murdered if it found out that uh, some, if <laughs> yeah, someone found out I had that shirt. Yeah, that would be terrible. That would be awful. Okay. Sean Fitz, I'm Nate Bauer. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. Please like our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and if you have not already, now is the time because th- there's dirt. There's stuff happening on our message boards at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Uh, it is $10 from now until August 31st of 2023. I, I promise you, you will not regret it. I'm there. I live there. Sean lives there. Ryan Snyder lives there. Greg lives there. T. Frank, like everybody, we live there. So join us. Uh, it's it's very inexpensive uh, to get in on the front end. Um, and we'd love to have you. So as always, thank you very much. Good night. Good night.